So here we go. And hello, welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel and I am your host. No one wants a divorce. And while the process of divorce, the legal aspects, the logistics, and the aftermath are painful and overwhelming, I refuse to allow this to define me. A friend of mine taught me about the concept of the North Star, how when sailors are lost in the dark and cannot find their way home, they look to the North Star to get back on course and can always find home. That my children would need to be my North Star. That in all decisions, I would need to look to them to guide me. A North Star divorce is when you make your children your main focus. When all decisions are based on the question, will this make them feel emotionally safe or will this cause further harm? It is about adults putting aside our baggage, emotions, anger, and old stories. Today, I have the privilege of talking with my great friend, Heather. Heather, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I want to give a little background about how Heather and I connected. So I moved my boys to another area, another school system in this awesome city named Shaker, and it's super cute. I knew nobody. And my ex moved four blocks away on purpose because we wanted to have a North Star divorce. And... Um, I was selling, not selling, I was giving away uh, elliptical and this guy came over. Um, I think you messaged me first that your ex-husband would want the elliptical. And I was like, oh, that's so nice of her. And then he came over with her son who ended up being my son's age. They got the elliptical. He was super nice. And I thought, oh, great. I met like a nice divorced dad I can connect with who has similar age children. And then a couple days later, I met Heather at our mutual school. And I was like, oh my God, I like her so much better. Not that I didn't like your ex, but like you were even better, like a better version. <laughs> and I didn't have any divorced friends. And you became my first divorced mama friends. And Heather and I have gone on adventures together with our kids. And she is my safe person that I don't feel judged or concerned about like, hey, I need to change this because our schedule just changed or, um, you know, one of our kids is having a meltdown because of some emotional thing that's going on um, or, hey, do you want to go to this together because neither of us has someone to go with and it feels, isn't it nice? It's so nice. It's so I, yeah. Nice. You're, you were definitely my first divorce friend too. Tell me what your impression was. Like it, was the, it was early on. In the you both were just brand that. new. Yeah. Tell me what your impression was when you first met this whirlwind. Well, so I think I kind of had known about you before um, we actually met because I remember I knew Scott. Yeah. And Scott had told me about a person that he wrote gratitude lists to every night. And Scott is and the one who taught us about the North Star. So he's yes. like, okay, so you, you yeah, so me. Yes. So I, I was like, oh, this person named Carly, who is this person? And then I put two and two together when I met you. I was like, Carly. And then I think you had also told me about the gratitude list. And I think one day you had said, I put you on my gratitude list. And I was like, what? Yes. Okay. This small world. Yeah. That, so. Yeah, speaking I, of the gratitude list, just for our listeners, um, I, every single night for the last almost four years, my friend Scott and I write five things we're grateful for um, each night. And they're not like necessarily beautiful things. You know, one of them that day must have been, I met Heather, my first divorce friend. Um, sometimes it was like, I got through the glitter storm of, you know, exhaustion that my son just gave me in his 
tantrum. And it just makes me, forces me to find that gratitude. You know, I'm, I'm laughing thinking about it because I'm sitting in my room and I've got my like award for my half marathon and Heather did hers before mine. And I loved her so much and I was rooting for her. And then I have this picture of you like limping with your like boot on. And we're just like, you know, we're out there dreaming and doing because we, we choose to. And I, I love that about us. Um, before we get started, I wanted to read to you a few things I found. So I did this, I do these like anonymous questionnaires because I feel like people are way more honest when they're anonymous. And it was not to divorce people, it was to marry people that I know um, in the community. And they wrote to me and they answered a few questions and I wanted to read you some of the results. And then I wanted to get into your marriage and divorce to see like where you were with this. So the first question I asked was, have you ever considered divorce? And these are married couples and 10% said never. So that means 90% of them can consider divorce and they've stayed married. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're not divorced and you're like, I think about this, that's normal, right? It's normal. I mean, I'm remarried and I love my husband and every time we get in a fight, I want to leave him. Um, <laughs> how about you? Do you do that where you, do you go there? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's, uh a completely normal feeling to fantasize about like sort of being on your own. Yeah, and, peace out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is too much. This is exhausting. I'm not doing this again. Absolutely. 45% um, said that they had only 5% said their spouse brought it up. 30% said it's usually threatened during a bad fight. And something I want to address here that I personally think as a divorce coach is a massive no-no is we do not bring up the idea of not being together as a punishment, like in the middle of a fight, even if you're, that's in your mind, because, you know, we're both in committed relationships today. And can you imagine how harmful it would be if that part, if our partner brought that up to us because they were in a bad place and then yeah. you'd, your security would be threatened. And it just, did you ever have that in your first marriage? Did you guys bring that up as like, as threats, not as like a real decision? So that's an interesting question. Um, I think that no, it was never a, it was never brought up as a punishment. But I think when we started to realize that we were having some issues and we started going to therapy, in my mind, it became more and more like crystallized that it was like this might be something that we that ends up happening. Like, right, but that's a well thought out planned considered working through these are people that brought it up like when they're mad right um and then the one of the questions i asked was what reasons did you decide to stay 40 percent said the kids 55 percent said they're still in love and then the rest were um financial fear and being alone mm -hmm. did you have any financial fear and afraid of being alone forever when you were considering divorce yeah um yeah for sure i mean i i think that you know, I, I work in education. <laughs> it's not like a corporate job where there's like this ladder um, that you could potentially climb and, you know, the salary increase that is a big step up. So um, I work for a nonprofit organization. You know, there's, right. there's only so, so much uh, money you can make. And um, so, and, and definitely like, there are things in my life like I love to travel and I love to go out to dinner and things like that that I was worried that I wouldn't be able to do. Right. I remember when 
my ex and I made the final decision to get a divorce. And then we're like looking at all the things and he's got like a spreadsheet out in our office. And he's like, we can't afford to get divorced. And I was like, Oh my God, what are we going to do? Like, cause we had already known like that this is not going to work. And I think we had that same conversation. <laughs> I think the fear for a lot of us. And I think for women more than men, unfortunately, because things are still so unfair financially, that that is a fear that keeps a lot of us in marriages where we know we're not supposed to be, but we're like, how am I going to financially do this? And, you know, I've seen that, but look at you, you're like, you're kicking ass (laughs) and I'm breaking down walls. Uh, Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely like, you know, I'm not uh, socking a lot of money away or anything like that. Um, But I feel like similar to you, it was important to us to be close together. Um, And I, when I was looking at places to live, um, I was looking at, like we were just talking about, like a lot of rentals and um, the rentals in this area are more than buying. So I ended up finding a house that like was all the work was already done and it made sense because I'm not handy at all. How many blocks away are you guys? What's that? How many blocks away are you guys? I think it's three blocks away. See, you're yeah. even closer. And how yeah. awesome is it for people that are considering like how where to live because we forget stuff all the time, right? Oh my gosh. You forget yes. a plug for a laptop and then they can't charge it and then you forget their medicine and you forget their goggles and it's Yes. Like my and, Yeah, I and I travel a lot for work and my parents would help out a lot with the kids and they would forget stuff when my parents had the kids. So like it was easy on my parents to be yes. able to just like know, okay, yeah. And it's easy on the kid to be able to ride their yeah. bike or walk back and forth to someone's house. You know, mm-hmm. one of my kids usually has a tantrum when I give him any kind of, you know, structure or, or discipline. And he's like, I'm going to dad's. And I'm like, okay, bye. Like, you know, like he, he's going to go walk there and, yes. and it's fine. I'm not worried. Um, the other thing I want to look at is two other things from the questionnaire and then we'll get into your story. So the big marriage issues, what do you think are the three biggest marriage issues that people, when I asked, what are, and I gave them like a list, what do you think the three biggies were? I would say money, Mm -hmm. sex, and communication. You got two out of three, money, sex, and kids. So check this out. The big marriage issues, 30% were for money and kids. 80% of the people said sex. Mm Mm-hmm. That is so telling Mm. and I'm hoping to have a sex therapist on here or multiple ones because not only for people that are going through marriage, people that are going through divorce, infidelity, people that are in new relationships, sex is massive and people don't talk about it. And when you're first getting married in your twenties, no one, they're like, what does he do? What does she do? What is her family? What is her religion? And no one talks about like, are you going to be sexually compatible? Yeah. And I think and they're very different like experiences for, for men and women. Like I think emotionally, like men need it to feel confident in the relationship, but women need to feel connected to yes. the other and wanted. Mm-hmm. And wanted. And I think one of the things that me and you have discussed and that I know that so many people I talk to have as a problem in their marriage is they end up becoming like roommates. Like they're like taking care of the kids and taking care of the house and they're not 
making time. So the last thing I want to read you and then we'll get into yours is one of the questions was, did you find any tools that worked for you for the people that stayed together? And this one person said, communication that is brutally honest, but kind. We have gotten good at uncovering emotions together. We've also made intimacy a priority. Mm-hmm. And so I think that those two things are massive. Like, yeah. for me in my first marriage, everything was about like, I was, I was always willing to communicate, but he didn't want to discuss what I wanted to communicate because it was uncomfortable. And then the intimacy issue, we were on completely different pages. And so because of that, we were just never in like the same space. And neither of us really got that, like, this was really important. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, no, that, that really hits home, that, like, communication of things that are uncomfortable to talk about. Like, I remember so many times there were things that I wanted to say that sometimes I held back on because I just didn't know how it was going to land. And uh, in hindsight, that that probably created more problems. And I think with him too, like neither of us were good at having hard conversations. Like we both definitely avoided that. Have you changed that in your current relationship? Yeah. Like (laughs) so that's exactly what happened to me. So Jonathan and I both were in marriages where when we communicated, it it didn't go real well. And so now, hi Axel. Um, now, it's so intense because we're both like, we need to communicate. And we're just like both communicating at each other. So if you're like walking around near us, we're very loud, but it's just, we're also kind to each other. So I would rather be loud and fighting and communicating than those silent nights where you're just like quiet, sitting in bed next to each other, not talking on your phones. It's like the worst. Yeah. Tell me about your love story with your first husband. Um, we, we knew each other um, from camp, actually. Like the camp where my kids go now, we were both campers there and then we were counselors. And so I had just graduated from high school when I met him. He's a couple years older. So um, yeah, so we, um, we met that way. So I, he was my, probably my first and only love, you know, Um, and I was only 18 and we were both going other places for college. So very, very young when we met. Um, and then we, um, ended up settling down in Colorado after college. So did you guys date throughout college? Yeah. Were you committed to each other or were you like dating other people and then going back and forth? Um, it, it was, it was unclear. So it was like one of those, like, <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> we didn't have cell phones. Like we had, thank e- God. we had email and phone and, you know, we didn't actually talk all that much, um, mm-hmm. is my memory of the situation. And so it was like, we definitely, when we came back home for the summers, like we got together and we were together. Um, and it wasn't probably until maybe like, he was a junior or senior and yeah, that it was, it became more serious, but, um, and then we ended up moving out. We had planned to move out to Colorado together. So was the plan to move out to Colorado? Um, did you also discuss like getting married or were you just like, let's be together and we'll see what happens? Um, 
I don't know. Cause like the idea of marriage for me, I don't know why, but it was always like this scary kind of thing. And you come from a, a beautifully married family. Like your parents are still together. They are still together, but they definitely had um, marital issues. Um, like what? They separated for like six months, I think, when I was in fifth grade. Do you remember that time? Yes, very vividly. Did they say anything to you, like what was happening? They did not really um, talk about the issues they were having. We just knew they were fighting a lot. And yeah, so it was all kind of in the dark for us, me and my did brother. someone move out? My dad moved out. Yeah. He lived you like in go a- to like an apartment to see him? Yeah. That must have been, yeah. you're like, what's happening? You're at Woodbury, right? You're like, yeah. what's happening? Yeah. And like, I think for my brother who's older, I remember them taking us to a therapist during that time and like both of us talking to the therapist at the same time. And then my brother ended up continuing to talk to the therapist and I was not, uh, like they didn't, they didn't think I needed it or something like that. Right. Um, so yeah, that was, and then. That's crazy. Cause that's like the age of your daughter is now almost. And so like, can you imagine just being like, okay, dad's moving out. We're going to take you to a few therapy sessions. Okay. No, dad's, dad's moving in. Right. Yeah. I definitely. Was he like just at dinner one night and then you're back together? <laughs> I remember distinctly the day, like they like my dad like took his clothes and stormed out of the house and and then I don't remember how it happened that he moved back in but um and then we didn't really talk about it honestly so weird like we just did it and so I always had thought in my head um you know when we when CJ and I went through this that we weren't going to keep our kids in the dark about it. And actually, and they knew when, even before we had decided to, to divorce, like we were sleeping in separate rooms. They knew that we had told them, you know, I said, I'm an, you know, I'm a teacher. I know kids like see and everything and then, and they interpret it. Yeah. And unless you tell them what's happening, they will make their own interpretations. Of yeah. Which are never going to be good. They're not going to be right. like, oh, they love me so much that they want to not, you know, stay here. Right. And so I was like, we need to tell them why we're sleeping in separate rooms. We need to tell them that, you know, we're trying to work on things with a therapist. So let's, Uh, let's rewind for a second. So you're in Colorado, you guys end up hitting it off and you get married, even though you're like, kind of, "Eh, I don't know if I want to get married. Did it just happen? um, I think, you know, I think I thought I wanted him to be my life partner. I just like the idea of a wedding was just like an odd one to me, but Um, so yeah, we did, we did, um, decide to get married. Um, it was sort of like one of those things, you know, you're told like for your whole life, like this is your, this is the trajectory you're supposed to be on, right? You're supposed to like find somebody who's compatible and then you're supposed to get married and then you're supposed to have kids and then, you know, buy a house, you know, all those things that like society kind of tells you is, and like everybody in your, in your life wants for you. Yes. Um, so I think it was sort of like, I was just like, on the bus, like riding, okay. riding on the bus, like, yeah. <laughs> all right, here's the next oh, stop. Oh, I'm going to have kids now. <laughs> what? Like, I'm just going to have kids and yeah. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. kids, you move back to Cleveland. How are things going in your marriage? So I feel like this was like kind of a turning point for us in my mind. Um, you know, I think that there were some things that happened, like when I had my son, um, he was born in Denver 
And two weeks after he was born, my dad had a stroke. Mm. And I was like a new mom and I was like trying to like learn how to breastfeed and like my dad had a stroke and I was not, we weren't sure like what was gonna happen. And we ended up going back um, to Cleveland for like staying with my parents for like a month. And I just remember just like, it was kind of a fog as new moms would probably attest to, but I know I had postpartum depression. I just, no one said to me like, you should like think about that. Like you should talk to somebody or like, you know, take care of yourself. Like no one was like saying that to me. And, and I'm the kind of person who like, I just kind of like tough it out. You know, I just don't want to create any problems for anybody. And I just tough it out. So we decided that it was going to be better off like financially for us to live in Cleveland and then be closer to people who could help out. Like my brother was living here at the time and my parents and um, just wanting to, to have that close knit relationship with my kids and my parents and my family. So, um, and his family is also from here. So we moved and then I, so I think also that move was really hard because we had dug roots in Denver uh, professionally and with friendships and we had to start all over again. Right. Um, and so that was a hardship. We were living in a small two bedroom, one bathroom, uh, bottom floor of a duplex. And that was hard too. And we decided to have a second child. So we had Ellie and we were there with the two kids and we were like, our bedroom was the living room. Like the kids <laughs> had the bedrooms and we had the living room. It was crazy. <laughs> It was like a, you know, New York City, like, studio right. apartment. Um, so I think, like, all of those things created a lot of stress for us. Like, we were just kind of like, should we move back to Denver? Should we stay here? For, because like, you weren't happy? Um, I think just because we didn't have those conversations of, like, how should we feel right now? Like, yeah. are you feeling okay? Like, how are you feeling about there this? There was no checking in. There was no like checking in about it. And like, you know, I think we had sort of said like, we had talked about maybe moving back to Denver. That's why we decided to rent instead of buy a place because we were like, we want to be able to get out of it. Right. And so it left us in this like constant state of limbo for about three or four years. Um, and then finally we decided to buy a house and, and it was, it was better. Um, but then I, and, and then again, like with Ellie, like there was a whole nother state of like postpartum depression and like second child, all, like guilt trip because like the right. first child isn't getting what the- What did I do? Yeah. yeah like, what did I do to my, my poor baby? Yeah. Um, and then, um, I took on a new job and that job had me traveling more. So when things are already kind of like shut down communication wise, um, then the traveling didn't help. Um, how was, how was your intimate life? Um, not good. (laughs) Was that something you talked about? Not really. No. Isn't it so interesting to hear us talking about our old selves and be like, we didn't talk about anything. Like we were just living these lives because, like you said, we were on this trajectory. Now you're supposed to get married. Now you're supposed to have kids. Now you're supposed to get a house. Now you're supposed to like do this and get a job and do all this stuff. And then, and you're like with another human doing this, and you're not talking about anything. Right. Which yeah. is 
Like, of course it's going to cause problems. So tell me who brought up what, how did it start the conversation? And by the way, for the listeners, Heather and her ex, at least from where I'm sitting, have the best like divorce story that I've ever heard because there was like no massive drama and like everyone was pretty much, at least from where I'm sitting, pretty okay. Like nobody was like, you didn't have any moments where like cops were being called or like custody issues or like, I can't stand you. I hope you die. Like there was none of that. And it kind of sounded like you guys both came to it, but tell me how it, it first started. Yeah. So we, um, I think at, at one point I kind of like woke up and, and literally like, you know, Were you just sleeping like, in the same bed at this time. What's that? Were you sleeping in the same room at this time? Yeah. Okay. And I, and I just was like, there's been a lot of damage done. Um, and I, you know, I haven't like spoken to some of that and, and not all of it is his fault either. So I don't think either of us blame one another. Um, for what happened. But I think for me, I woke up and was like, I'm not happy with how things are. We should go get help. And so we went to- Did he agree? Like, was he on the same page? Did he say he was not happy? Or was he just like, I'll just go because you want to go? At first, I think he was like, I don't, there's what, we can work this out ourselves. Like, it wasn't like he was like, no, we're never going to a therapist, but he was like, things aren't that bad. Like, right. That's how mine was mine. No matter how many times I communicated how I felt, he was like, I'm fine. And I'm like, but I think that's a problem that I want all listeners to understand. If one person in a marriage feels unhappy, not connected, not okay. And the other person says, I'm fine. That doesn't help the person that's not feeling okay because you're in a partnership. So if one of your partners, like think about it, like in like a three-legged like race, if one of the partner's leg is hurting, you can't just be as the other person, I'm fine and just keep pulling them. Like you have to stop and fix what's hurting like the other person. And for me, when my person, when my ex would say to me, I'm fine, that was like his answer. I was like, but isn't it concerning to you that I'm not? Like if my partner today said he was not okay, I would be like up all night long. Like, what are we going to do? Right. Yeah. Okay. So so keep going. You're going to therapist. Yeah. So we, so he, you know, agreed like, okay, you know, if you want to do this, um, if you want to, (laughs) (laughs) um, and you know, through that, like we had talked about some things and, you know, the therapist of course gave us stuff to do and sometimes we did it and sometimes we didn't. And, um, was one of those a date night? Yeah, I mean, that's I think a common, David, that's a common marriage counseling. Yeah, uh, read this book. Read this book. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think it, after like a few years of kind of like on it, on again, off again with the therapist, and and doing things that maybe she asked us to do, and maybe not actually doing them till like, oh, we have a therapist appointment tomorrow. We should probably do that thing. Yeah, we need to hurry up and communicate. Assignment, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh no, we're not going to meet the deadline. Right. Like our teacher's going to be mad at us. So right. like, we should do it. Um, and like, I, you know, it's sort of like, <laughs> okay, well, if this, if, if this is what we're coming to where we're like only doing the things that the therapist asks us to do because we wanted to be accountable to her and not to each other. That is so important. What you just said, we need to be accountable to each other. Right. And we did not, 
that for whatever reason, we were not doing that. Like we were not, we were, I think we were in a place where we were both trying to get ourselves, our own needs met and not meeting. So like, I can't meet his needs if my needs aren't met and he couldn't meet my needs if his needs were not met. And it was just like, we were at a, did you know what each other's needs were? Like, was that communicated? Yeah, I mean, I think we did communicate our needs. Um, but I, again, like, I don't think we each knew how to do that before our own needs were met. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, I think we did explain and, and advocate for ourselves in that way. Um, and it just got to be like so like draining um, mm-hmm. to be in that situation of like, uh, yeah, just not really knowing what to do. Um, and, and then also just like, yeah, just. Being- when did you split up bedrooms? I don't know. I honestly, I can't remember like where that was. And it was probably, we, I think it was for at least a year. We were not in the same bedroom. And what did you tell the kids? Dad snores? <laughs> no, like we, we told them like, we're, we're trying to work some stuff out. And right now we just need our own space. See, that's and- so honest and beautiful. I love that about you. <laughs> Thank you. They, they didn't say like, are you going to get a divorce or anything? No, we never said that to them. Um, young. um, yeah, I'm sure it like probably went past their minds because I, I think, you know, they had friends whose parents were divorced. Right. So they knew what it was. I mean, I think, what was it? Brayden was in third grade. Ellie was in first. Yeah. Um, did people in your life know that you were going through this? Definitely our parents knew and our families knew. Um, I don't, really think our friends knew. I, I, my best friend knew, like my best friends knew that we were having issues. Um, but like only like close confidants, not like a whole group of people we would hang out with. Um, in fact, probably on the outside, it looked like, like when, when we said we were divorcing people. Wait, I remember, didn't you send like an email to everybody? We sent an email. (laughs) Because we didn't want, we, what we didn't want to happen is people to like hear, oh, did you like. Right. You, you wanted to address it. Yeah. And we didn't, we wanted to control the message. Like, I love that. You're like Gwyneth back in the day. Yeah. We didn't want it to be like this taboo thing. Like, yeah. Can we talk about it with them? Like, right. can we ask them about it? Right. Like, I, like, I didn't want, if my kids were over at another friend's house, like for them to like say something to the kids that was like, like I wanted them to be able to just be aware of the situation. Yes. yes. Um, so yeah, we did. We wrote a letter. Take me to the place where you guys made the decision. We're going to get a divorce. Um, I think it was just like, we had both gotten there mentally and, um, and this is why I think you're like the most amazing couple because I've never heard a story like yours where you're both like, yeah, I think we should do this. Like, was there a, bu- a bunch of crying or was it just like, yo, let's do this? Um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely emotional. Um, right. I think I, I felt like a failure. Like, I felt it, like I was going to disappoint everyone in my life that 
you know, if I'd only like persevered and like roughed it out like a little bit longer, maybe I would have like been able to save it. Um, well, you know that what I Googled before I made the decision, should I stay for the kids? Uh, yeah. Because that was my big, I want to address the failure thing. I want, I want, I hate this word. I wish we could remove it from the English language. Um, I don't believe you still think that about yourself, right? No. Okay. But just to address for anyone who's listening, if a marriage does not survive, I do not like my clients to call it a failure. I, especially if there's children, because my three children are not a failure. My three children are perfect children of God. They are my joys. And what came from that marriage where at one time I wanted to spend my whole life with that person and then things changed, life happened. Those three boys for me are not a failure. And so I immediately, cause my ex calls our marriage a failure, you know, cause we didn't make it. And I refuse to acknowledge it like that. I don't consider it to be a failure. I think that as a married couple, we didn't make it, but the marriage was not a failure because we created these beautiful humans. And what you guys are doing, like, is you should be an example to so many. So you guys made the decision to get the divorce. You send the email out. And then what? So um, we had decided to tell the kids after the school year had ended. After third grade for Brayden. Yes. Like after we had... Um, made the decision and we didn't want them to be thinking about it when they were in school or, you know, right. have it affect them that way. So we waited until the school got out and it was like a Saturday and um, we had sort of set up a time for them to go to the pool with some friends after we had told them. Yeah. And um, we had talked to the therapist actually, like when we had started to realize this is moving more from like couples therapy to how do we, parent our kids in a yes. divorce like how do we yes. tell them what like what do we do how do we do this well um I love like, that you guys were both asking that question rather than fighting about stuff because when you've got two people who are willing to consider how do we do this in a way that's going to be least harmful to the children that is magic yeah that I I totally I feel very grateful every day for yes for that. I mean, um, you both know people who do not have that situation. Yes. And it's very painful. Yeah. Um, for the kids. For the kids. For everybody. Yeah. I mean, but I, really, it's more for the kids because the adults can make a decision at any point to stop being idiots and get over your stuff and, and suck it up so the kids don't have to be miserable. We're going to mess the kids up in a different way. We just, we're, we're human, but like we don't have to mess them up with our emotional baggage from our marriage. Exactly. Exactly. And our therapist told us, she's like, so, you know, here, set, set them down and, you know, be direct about it, but make sure that the first thing that you tell them is, here's what's going to change and here's what's not going to change. Oh, that's awesome. And so that's exactly what we did. So like when we first said, like, we're going to get a divorce, of course, like crying. Yeah. Yeah. Like, same with mine. Cause mine were like, oh, I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound good. <laughs> like horrible, like the worst like moment of my life probably yeah. at this point um and um and then after like everyone kind of like calmed down um you know we said all right well you know this is here like what's not going to change like we're both your parents we're 
we love you. You're always going to be first for us. You're always going to be your health and safety are our first priority. Um, and we will make sure that we do things as a family, the four of us together as often as we can. And you do. That is a North Star yeah. divorce. You do. Will you tell us about Sundays? Yeah. So sometimes it's Sundays and sometimes it's another day, but okay. usually once a week we have um, dinner together. Um, Just and- the four of you. Yeah. And then we have like a family meeting and at our family meetings, we do the three A's. We do, what um, do you appreciate? What do you have to apologize for? And what announcements do you have? I love that. Isn't that fun? So um, are you still doing this? We still are doing this. Yeah. Um, We do it yeah, try to do it once a week, unless something is weird, like one of us are. Can I just tell you, you know, I don't know if you know this, you're so lucky that you are both still doing that because that was the kind of divorce I wanted and my ex did. And then other people came into the picture. And when you've got other people in the picture, not everyone is on the same page and we can't have that. Um, I always tell my listeners, you can still have a North Star divorce because you can still behave really well and stuff. But like what your kids get, because you two are able to put aside your stuff and tell whatever partners you're with, like, does your partner care when you do that? No. So he, um, I was just going to say like, he usually joins us for the dinner part and then he'll like get up and do the dishes while we're having like our little family meeting and we're talking about stuff like you know, we'll talk about like, oh, the screen time has gotten out of hand. Like we need to really like discuss that or like, oh, so we're, you know, this is coming up just so you know, um, you know, like just so they know what's on the, on the calendar and what's happening. And so they're aware of, you know, certain things and just, it's also a place for us to just like um, touch base and, you know, reestablish like expectations or norms around household stuff, like cleaning the dishes. And See, that's so important. When you focus on the things that they're supposed to do as children and you're supposed to do as parents and you don't focus on like my first year, I probably asked my kids every single day, are you okay? Are you okay? How are you doing today with the divorce? And they're like, shut up, like shut up. Like, yeah. and the majority, the majority of my kids, I have so many, my of my three, my two oldest are totally okay. And my youngest is the one who has the hardest time. And it's mostly because he doesn't like going back and forth and he wishes his parents were in the same space at the same time. Yeah. Is absolutely. that similar to you? Yeah. I don't think that they, um, I think, well, I think it's harder on my daughter than my son. I think the hardest moments for, for especially my daughter are when like, for example, they're on vacation right now. And her being away from me for a week um, and not having me there when they're on vacation or vice versa, having him there when I'm on vacation with them is that's the hardest. They, they wish that those special moments were together. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you guys do a really good job about that in so many areas. Like you have each other for holidays and, mm-hmm. and all birthdays, everything, right? You guys, they don't celebrate something big without both of you there. No. And even when they go down to Florida to visit my ex's family um, over Christmas, it's my daughter's birthday. So I try to go down there and they let me stay at their house. And um, it's awesome. Like to not, I wouldn't want to miss my daughter's birthday, you know, like that's important to her. And yeah. And she, she, I think she's the one that like misses the other parent when, you know, when she's, but um, 
yeah, we just work through that and she's got a phone and she's able Do they, to Does she ever ask you like throughout the last four or five years, like why? Because mine little ones did that in the beginning. They actually have never asked why. They've never asked why and they've never said, I wish you hadn't got a divorce. Like I, at least outwardly, like they've never said that. What would you uh, say to them as why? Um, I would tell them just like what I told you that neither of us were able to be the person that the other, other one needed. And we both deserve that we get somebody in our lives that can be, you know, that we can do that for them and they can do that for us. And that we weren't able to be our best selves together. Like we weren't able to be the best parents we could be or the best professionals we could be or the best partners. We weren't happy. Right. And, and you need a happy mom and a happy dad. Yeah. Um, I love you so much. I only have a few more questions. So you need to do this more often. I would love to. Okay. So if you could turn back time to talk to yourself at the beginning of your divorce, like when you're about to go through everything, is there anything that you wish you could tell yourself? Is there anything you wish you would have done differently? Um, I would say like what I said earlier that I'm not a failure. Because um, that kind of stood in your way. Like you're not only are you trying to like separate physically everything and emotionally deal with all the crap and the people, but then you've got your head telling you you're a failure. Yep. So you would have sat down and had coffee with Heather and said, what, what would you have said to her? Don't listen to that voice in your head telling you that people in your life are disapproving or disappointed or whatever. Like it's not about them and that it's it's about you and what you need and it's about him and what he needs and that can't that can't be the thing that you focus on yes and that you know i often used to tell myself like if I, like i said like if i had been more resilient or i had been able to tough it out that maybe we would still be together um but at some point you're just trying to survive and that's no way to live it's not sustainable yeah. And so you just, you know, have to, to, to tell yourself, like, I need to, to do this for me. I need to do this for me. And I need to do this for him too. And for your kids. And for because I, that was a big thing for me. Like I, I am like you, I could have been unhappy for the rest of my life. I could do that, but I was terrified. I pictured Graham, you know, my oldest coming to me in like his thirties and saying to me, mom, I've done all these things that you told me to do. Nothing's working. This is how I feel. I don't know how to do this. And I didn't want to have to look him in the eyes and tell him you need to just stick it out. Yeah. Because I wanted him to be happy because I know, I know for a fact you cannot be a good parent when you are not at your core happy. Yeah. And that doesn't mean like walking around with like, you know, rainbows and butterflies all the time. It just means like you are okay with where you are. You feel like you're in the right. I would have rather, I wanted, I would rather have been alone than in a marriage where I felt alone. Yes. Because yes. that feels really lonely when you're like, I'm supposed to be in a partnership and we're living together. And on the outside, everyone thinks we're in a partnership, but I'm alone. Yeah. That's lonely. I will say too, like it crossed my mind. Like we had talked a little bit about what happened with my parents and my whole childhood, I had 
it like made me hyper focus on their relationship and like just their interactions that to me were so painful to watch even after that my dad moved back in. Um, and I just remember like thinking to myself, like, I don't want to have a relationship like that. I don't yes. want to like, you know, just be like constantly bickering and constantly arguing. And um, yeah, it just, it, I know that they would probably be hurt by hearing that, like, but it, and it wasn't, that didn't cause my divorce. No, no. But um, it made you aware of what you did and didn't want. I mean, yes. how can you not walk away from the childhood home you grew up in and not compare and consider your marriage? I mean, you know what I mean? Like I did. I, we all do. Exactly. It's human. Um, yeah. As a single parent, what mistakes have you made? Um, one of the things that like I would say I wouldn't like would offer advice to folks is just like being really careful to like make sure you're completely healed before you get into a relationship with somebody else. Because for me, I did that too soon. And you are very aware of how that relationship went. And um, I it was allowed- a gift from the universe because he was not right for you. No. And I remember was- I probably said to you, one of the things I say to all my people when something's not working out, I said, say thank you to the universe. Yeah. Because when you've got somebody in your life that's not right, you need to thank the universe because they've been removed. So you're saying that because you introduced him to your kids. Yeah, he was, he, he, his kids and my kids were a big part of each other's lives. Yeah. And, um, and he, I allowed him to treat me badly for way too long. Um, and I did that because I was not fully healed from the, the emotional trauma that came from the divorce. And so I didn't feel like I deserved somebody who treated me well. Yes, exactly. So that was, that was one mistake that I made. Um, That's so interesting you say that because I actually became, I had the opposite reaction. So when I have an issue in my partnership where I don't feel like I'm being treated well, I am like empowered by it. And I'm like, look, I'm not willing to be in anything where I'm not going to be treated well because I've already done that. And I would rather be alone. Yeah. And that actually, I think is where you are today, but mm-hmm. you have to get there by getting healed first. Yeah. And you're, you're so right. If you don't walk away from that first relationship and take time to like really see what worked and what didn't work for you, and then can honor that and use your voice as you know, the adult woman or man that we are today, then you just end up repeating it. Right. Exactly. And I think I was afraid. I was afraid to be lonely. I was afraid, like I was trying to fill the void. Um, And I just didn't, like, I think I would say, like, the advice I would give is to, like, even though that's really hard to be alone and to to sort of be alone with your thoughts and all of that, like, it's a gift as well, because like, you get to like, learn what makes you tick and what you need. And, um, you know, doing all of the like self-care things that you probably should have done in your marriage that you needed to do so um what has been the biggest positive surprise about being a single parent i think it's so empowering to be honest like there are things that i've done either by myself or just me and my kids that i'm like that i would never have done that yes um, before um and like you know he was always the financial guy in the relationship and now i'm in charge of my own finances. And so like, you know, I know how to buy a car and like how to, 
you know, it seems silly, like childish, right? Like I never had a car by myself or like. Or that you didn't need to get someone else's permission and their like whole process. Like when I bought my house, I remember thinking as I was buying it, I would have had to do so much work to get him on the same page as me to get this house. When I had done all my own research and I knew this was the right house, it's empowering. Like you said, it's empowering to get to make your own decisions and your own mess ups. Like I mess it up. I don't need you to point that out. I know I messed it up. Like I got that. Absolutely. And it makes you trust yourself more because then like, you know, you're making that decision and you know, like the thought process that you've been through to, to make that. And so, and you have nobody else to, to hold blame. Like you just, you're like, we're to blame. Yeah. It's all about ownership. And my kids know, like I tell them out loud, like I'm a shit show. Like we're going to do the best we can. Right. Like when we leave for a trip by myself, I'm going to forget a whole bunch of stuff, you know, totally normal. Like my kids, I told you, my kids saw me last night with a hammer and sunglasses and my mask bashing through the wall in my kitchen that I would have never been allowed to do before because this is my house. If I want to bash through a wall in my house, I get to, right? And then I get to clean it up, which I did. It was a lot of work. Um, You know, so it's like, it's an ownership. I love that. I want to know two more questions. What have you done to find your own way when you're not with your kids? Because I know for me, no matter how good the divorce is, that's a hard time for me emotionally when I'm not with them. So what have you done to like make that time something that's meaningful for you? Yeah, it's funny because like there's not a ton of time where like I'm working a lot. Yeah, well, I'm I work and then like so I you know do my I focus on my professional life more when I'm when the kids are not with me, um, and but like also there's such a like free flow. It's not a, we don't have a divorce where it's like these are my days and you can't have them or. Mm-hmm you know, like, like you said, like one of them wants to come to my house and get something when they're right. supposed to be at their dad's house. Like I see them almost every day anyway. Right. Um, so I, I'm a very grateful for that, but, um, yeah, like professional stuff, like I'm able to focus more on that. Um, or just like being able to do errands and things like that, but also just like mental and physical health. Like I definitely, will downtime yes yeah absolutely that we desperately need because when you're a single parent you're on a hundred percent of the time no matter how sick you feel no matter what's going on in your life you are it there is nobody else absolutely um last question what advice do you have for anyone about to embark on this journey um like as you said like keeping your kids first um like that's you know the north star right um, by the way, you would be a horrible North star client cause you guys are perfect. <laughs> and um, Heather is the one who gave me connection to Danielle, who I just had on my podcast mm-hmm. and she, in my dream world, it's me and Danielle partnering up to have someone like me as a coach to get you through the emotional stuff. So you don't make stupid decisions and then have her to get you guys together through, which is what you guys did. Mm-hmm. Your divorce was not expensive. It was not exhausting. It took longer than I wanted it to. I kept being like, when is it going to be over? Right. And, um, because it wasn't dramatic. Right. So with that being said, what advice do you have for them besides putting their kids first, like for them, for them to make decisions, like anything practical. Like I really love what you guys 
we, you know, your once a week thing. I love that. Anything else? Yeah, no, I would just say like trying to get ideas from other people. Um, and like about things that they do that, that, that are working. That are working, like even a therapist. Um, always keeping the communication gates open with the kids. Like, um, I love that, like we have that touch point with them. Like as busy as the weeks can go by, um, we always have that touch point of like checking in and how are you feeling? He and I always, um, we never make decisions about the kids that will impact them without consulting each other. Like for um, what? Give me an example. So like, for example, introducing a significant other to, right. to the kids, like I would never have done that without consulting with him first and saying, right. like, how are you feeling about this? Like, do you feel like they're mentally okay uh, at a point? You guys are thinking about it in an emotional place for your kids. Most right. people put that in their divorce document because they want to make sure that the other person doesn't do that. I mean, right. my ex, my current husband had to go to like marriage counseling and divorce counseling and therapist for like a year plus before I was even allowed to meet his kids. So it's like people have different sticking points, but you guys aren't talking about that. You're not talking about, no, this is in our document. You're saying what's best for our kids. Yeah. We don't even refer to the document probably that often. Um, I think the only time I referred to it is like, what holiday do I, ha do I have them? Right. But because we, you know, like he'll call me up and say, like, I'm noticing with our daughter, like this issue going on, like, what do you think that is? Like, how do we work through that? Like, um, or I'll call him up and say like, you know, wow, I'm noticing that this is happening with our son. Like, um, you know, or should we sign him up and have two sports going at the same right. time? Instead of one, you know, things right. like that. We do the same thing. Yeah. Because it feels yucky on the other end if you aren't getting consulted about that because they're both your kids. And what I hear about you two, which I think you guys do a great job, is you put them first mm -hmm. and you act as parents together. And that's your job. Your job is to be co-parents, to raise these children. Like what Danielle said last week in her episode was, this is a business. You mm -hmm. guys are in business together. You're business is to grow these kids. Right. And so how do you most successfully make this business work is to put away all your crap and figure out what do the kids need? Not yep. what I need, not like this is my day and you can't have them on this day. Yep. Yeah. And so like, I would say there's two other practical things that I would offer to a few people too is, um, one, like we have a, <laughs> My ex is very spreadsheet oriented. Um, and so we have a spreadsheet where it has like, here's, you know, our days, like here's where they're going to be. Like if, for example, if my day is Tuesday, but I know I'm going to be having to leave to go out of town for work. Um, so like, I'll take them on Thursday instead or whatever. So it's got like all of the days and then notes about like, is there an appointment that they need to go to or do they have practice? So is it like a live spreadsheet you guys both access? Like, like a Google sheet? Spreadsheet. Yeah. yeah. Um, and here's like, we are planning on going out of town this week. Um, so yeah, that's been helpful, like logistically. And like, that's different than your Google calendar. Yeah. It's a spreadsheet. Like it's like a, and it's color coded and it's got, you know, yeah. Will you share it with me? Cause that sounds so much, because my calendar, everything pops up on it and I don't even know what to pay attention to anymore. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, we have a shared calendar, but we hardly put stuff on there. I like this better. I'm going to take this from you. Yeah. The, What's uh, your other one? 
Well, I, it's an advice that you got, you gave me. It's just like kids didn't, our kids didn't choose this. Like, yeah. this not, and just keeping that always in the back of my head, like they did not choose this life for themselves. Like this, we, they had no say in this situation. Right. And so like to give them as much choice and voice and as much as they possibly can, um, so that they do feel like there's parts of their lives they have control over. Yeah. That's awesome. I love you so much. How lucky am I to have you in my life? I know. I'm You're the best. Thank you so much. We, we will do this again, or maybe we'll do a parenting version of it. Like yeah. really focusing in on parenting because me and you care a lot about that. Absolutely. Thank you. I love you. Thank you so much. Love you.